Did you Snapchat today? I Snapchatted today. So did I. I even did a video. Good on you. I know. First time. Learning. I am. Welcome to Bangkok. From some far-flung corner of the globe. Wait. The globe is a sphere. How does it have corners? Shut up. This is the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. Now with even more Shivo and a few of their traveling friends. Each of them sharing stories of everyday experiences of travels around the world. Hello, vicarious travelers from all around the globe. Welcome back to Bangkok, Thailand. I am Evo Terra. And I'm Sheila D. Together, we thank you for following along with our journeys around the world. Coming up on today's program, Cassie comes back to talk about the role astrologers play in Indian marriages. It's as insane as I am making it sound. Uh, but before we get into that, honey, a Flickr, my God, you've been loading crazy amounts of photos to Flickr for a long time, but specifically here in Thailand. I've put probably thousands up just since uh, we started traveling. That's an in- insane number of photos you've been putting up there, and you get like activity on them all the time too, right? I do. I, s- I have about 1,500 views per day. Uh, uh, spoiler alert for everybody out there, in case you hadn't heard, a flicker not dead yet. I, no, it's very much alive in my world. <laughs> for those of us who have been on Flickr since 2006, we're still puzzled why it's still here. I, I love it. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today I want to talk about Muay Thai fighting. Yes, I love Muay Thai. What do you mean you love <laughs> Muay Thai? Tell the listener out there... What that means. So it is a full body fight. It is hitting and kicking and but not biting. No biting. No biting. No, no. biting. <laughs> hitting, fit, hitting, kicking, elbowing, kneeing your opponent. And this is something, in case you're thinking out there, listener, she's not talking about something that she's watching. She's not into watching Muay Thai fighting. She's into actually doing this. Yeah, I started, what, two weeks ago, I think? And I've been a couple times now. And it's kicking my ass. (laughs) But you get to elbow people in the face. That's good. I do get to elbow people. It's a lot of fun. Do you really get to elbow people in the face? Not Well, I haven't really, like, had body contact with anybody yet. I've just been hitting the pads, my instructor. So is your ultimate goal of this to actually do, do you want to be actually in a fight with someone? I don't know. Oh. (laughs) Had I asked you this question two weeks ago, you probably would have said, no, you're just doing it for the exercise component. But That is true. Now you've done it a couple of weeks? Well, I don't think I'm ready to fight somebody now, but... Neither do I. There's not like people are magical. You need to do some level of training. it's really kind of fun. Like, I I could see... I don't think I could do the... There's a whole ritual thing that you do before you Talk about the ritual thing before you fight. I don't even know what it's all about. It's just like some of them get up there and they do these little dances and they're, I think they're praying to some God. I don't know. (laughs) You sound very well versed. (laughs) It 
And some of them, it's like 30 seconds. And some of them, I'm pretty sure go on for like 15. I may be exaggerating, but it's more like four minutes okay. on some of them. And they wear these little th- headdress type things. And I just, I kind of dig the whole like setup of it. It's really cool. So I think people now have an impression that there is dancing, perhaps some praying, and a headdress. So it's like <laughs> the Chiquita Banana Girl is out there doing a presentation and then is going to elbow some other chick in the face. That's what Are the people think. Are you saying I'm not doing a good job of describing it? I am not saying that you're not doing a great job of describing it. I'm saying it let people's imagination run wild, I, I think is a... Uh, is, is the goal here. You know, anything at all about the history of Muay Thai fighting? I don't because I've only gone into like the two classes and or three classes. I don't even remember how many I've done now. And it is you do a quick warm up and then you are you are really one on one with the instructor hitting and kicking and elbowing and kneeing. And and what is it about hitting and kicking and elbowing and kneeing that that attracts you? If it's not the, it's not the history. Right. Clearly it's not the fancy dress or dance that nope. they go through. Nope. Uh, it is something about the exercise that you are enjoying and what is that? I I think it's just that it's all over and that it's a it's a challenge for me cuz like I like um I like very active sports and things like that whereas like yoga's fine. I just I I'm bored with it. Yoga's kind of the opposite of kicking, elbowing, and punching, right. and all those things. Not a lot of that in yoga. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think I kind of like it because I'm like five foot one, and it's empowering. Sure, I could see that. So, but wouldn't know, any sort of like martial arts training be somewhat empowering? Why Why Muay Thai? I don't. I, so I've the only other kind of activity like this I've done was kickboxing. Sure. Um, and I did that for probably a year, year and a half. And that was fun. I don't know. This is different. This is all in. Like you get in a in a groove, in a space that I haven't done in any other sports. Even when I played hockey, it was not not the same thing. It is all like it's it's in my head. I understand. I think I understand. And, and clearly, part of the reason why Muay Thai is uh, Thailand, right? It's where the sport originated, right? And what and what they're the martial arts in Thailand. You, there are places to do karate, and there are places to do taekwondo, mm-hmm. and you can do that. Whatever that weird Brazilian thing I can never pronounce. Kapai Wai Ray. See, you can't pronounce Kapa-wai-a. it either. Right. Also, Something same like thing. That. But here, it's it's Muay Thai. Yes, they do it from a, from a young age, and and you are into it. So you go to these gyms, you train, mm-hmm. you punch somebody in the face, or at least you punch <laughs> a pad and pretend that they're in the face, right. and you get all hot and sweaty. And oh, you, I'm disgusting when we leave. Because you're hot and sweaty most of the time walking around this place. Oh, that's true. That's true. But now you're getting into this and really, really enjoying it. I am. They they don't have AC. Well, they have the little units up there, but I'm pretty what sure. What is a unit? The, the air conditioning unit. Um, but I think it's just on fan. I don't think it's really blowing cold air. No, likely not. They want you to suffer. And it's it's a 90-minute class. And you're in there punching and kicking and screaming with not, it's not a one-on-one course. Explain the setup. No, there's probably 20 of us, anywhere from 15 to 20 of us in there. And quite often it's half girls 
And um, and so you start by the warm up. You do the the stretching and all of that, and then you run like ten laps or so. Wait, you run laps in this? Um, yeah, just back. That sounds it's terrible. It's just a warm up. You know me; I don't like to run. Right. So, um, it's it's quick, and it's something I can do because the the room's not huge, so it's just back and forth, back and forth, like. Sprints like wind sprints yeah, back, and kinda, forth, back and forth, back and forth. No I, one likes wind sprints, and and I can't do all out wind sprints because of my asthma. So, right. Um, and then once once you've done your warm up, then you um, you may pair up with an instructor. So it may be you and two others. And it sounds like more than pairing up if it's you and two others. That sounds like trioing. Okay, up. yeah, maybe sometimes. Um. <laughs> so the instructor will take one, two, or more individuals and and train them as a small group is what right. you're saying so the, there's multiple instructors there in this group multiple instructors like i think last time there were four or five okay and um and so you do different uh maneuvers he'll say you know right hook or left hook or uppercut or kick sometimes he'll say kick low which is down at his ankles and sometimes he'll say kick high up at his ear i at first, couldn't kick up to his ear. He's a little taller than I am, but not by much. Lots of Thai men uh, are not um, vertically gifted, let's say. Right. They're short. And so, but I can get my, my leg up to kick him at his ear So within now. two weeks, you have elevated from being not able to kick someone right. roughly your same height in the ear, and now you are at the level where you can kick said five foot X someone in the ear. Yes, but it probably would just jar him slightly. It would probably <laughs> just like knock off an earring if he was wearing something, or like, you're, not, you're not really going to do much damage. Right. There's no real uh, fear of rupturing semicircular canals or anything no, like that. No. It's more just of a brush level exactly. of, of approach. Exactly. Right? Which, from what I understand, is, is sometimes the more stealthy approach is, you know, you make the opponent think, wow, what would have happened if she'd really kicked me in the ear? But I, I don't think I want to mess with this person. Beware. Is there a self-defense aspect? Do you care about that? Uh, I don't think so. Because, I, I mean, I don't... I mean, it. I guess it helps. It's not what I went in thinking about when I when I signed up for the class. And you're not obviously too terribly worried about your physical safety living in Bangkok. No, no. I've. I mean, I've not really seen any. Ah, I haven't seen any crime or anything as you know we've been wandering around. And you've certainly not been subject to it. I definitely haven't been subject to it. Right. So. However, should the event arise, you can brush the hell out of someone's ear. I can brush the hell out of someone's ear now. Rock on. Cassandra Fox Percival. It's a stage name. It's fine to record this. Cassie is one of our favorite guests on the show and is now our neighbor. It still feels weird that we can be neighbors with another American teacher who also lives in Bangkok, but such is our new life. In this segment, Evo's language gets a little more raw than normal as he and Cassie discuss the completely alien concept of arranged marriages in India, where she spends a good deal of her free time. Get ready for some philosophical waxing on the topic. 
Blame the wine they both had too much of if you like. But I mean, there are, I mean, in India, there are arranged marriages. Plenty. This is still very, very normal. Very normal. Right. And to go to the astrologer, I mean, I have a friend right now at this very moment, and he was dating a girl that he liked. And this was like, they call it a, a love relationship. So he's actually in love with this girl instead of it being arranged. And so they dated about that three sounds, or four that months. That sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so they went to the astrologer and you check your birth dates and stuff oh, like this. Jesus. And you see if you're, like, to be together. And the astrologer said, no, you're not to be together. And in a year, you're going to break up. And so they decided not to get married. But, I mean, there's many people in the Indian culture that completely believe in the non-love marriages and arranged marriages. And the reason is because... You don't know each other, you know nothing about each other, but the people that you trust most, which are your family, have chosen this other person for you. And so you just, you trust them completely. And so for this other person, you say, okay, well, you know, you don't really, you don't really do what I want you to do, but I, I love you and I understand you and I will be patient with you. And so they end up in a relationship that lasts much longer than these love marriages. This yeah. is their reasoning, apparently. So if, if we were to apply that to, to, to your life and, and your family was to arrange <laughs> a marriage with someone else, how, how would you feel about that? Well, I'm out of family, <laughs> so nobody would arrange So when you were seven... Okay. <sighs> I mean, that's weird to us, right? It's, it's very foreign. I mean, it's, it's, it's... It's not necessarily wrong. It's just weird. It's, yeah. From it's, what we grew up in. But here's the deal. I completely agree. Here's the deal, though. Our zygotes, mm -hmm. our gametes... What's a zygote? Our, our nuts and our JJ <laughs> Do not give a shit about the love thing, right? I mean, chromosomes, DNA, love doesn't factor into the equation. It is all about perpetuating the species. Right? There's no you love. You mean if we're not attracted to each other, we can't make it that way. DNA doesn't give a shit whether you're attracted or not. It is simply an exchange of genetic okay. material. Okay, right? exchange of genetic material. So I'll tell you why this works in India. Because I think a large portion of the people that um, are not married are virgins. Men and women. So I think a lot of the men that are in these arranged marriages are actually virgins before... They are buried. So they are, <laughs> I mean, whatever you put on the other side of the table, they're yeah. more than enthusiastic. Yeah, hell yeah, Let right, right. It's moist <laughs> and damp. I'm in. But I have to imagine there's a little bit on the other side too. But, but, I mean, nonetheless, I mean, that's the way the human species perpetuates itself. And we of a Western bent, we assume that there's this love area. But if you, if you just look back a few hundred years, love factored little into this arrangement we call marriage. It was literally what's best for family, the family what's yeah, best yeah, for yeah. my name, what's yeah. best for the village and whatever else. Yeah. I mean, this thing is it's relatively new. I mean, you're talking about two people who have to not only support each other just in the bedroom, but also in life, raising a kid, yeah, doing yeah, everything yeah. before. I mean, that's... To, to us, it sounds alien that it's not that way, but realistically... A hundred years ago. It was the same thing. It really yeah. wasn't that way. Yeah. It was, you did this, and that's the way yeah. that it was. So they're tr actually, I guess, traditionally doing things from a hundred years so. ago. Maybe so, exactly right. <laughs> they, they're, they're the weirdos in the exactly. equation. <laughs>
And that's the show. We're now scheduling interviews with friends and fans so we can feature their travel stories on our show. If you haven't yet heard from us, that's probably an oversight on our part. So get in touch. We'd love to have you on our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for all of the music used in this episode. For Evoterra, I'm Sheila D. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. See you next week from Bangkok. Funding for this podcast and all the great content Shivo produced is made possible by listeners just like you. Visit shivo.wtf slash postcards to pledge your support and get a handwritten postcard each month as they travel abroad. Additional funding provided by Travelsmith, inspiring people to go places they've never been and keeping Shivo looking smart and well outfitted on their journey. And if you want to travel the world, it's cheaper than you think. Visit shivo.wtf how appropriate. For more details, and click on the house sitting link to find out exactly how they afford to travel the world in style. See you next time on the Opportunistic Travelers Podcast. Mm-hmm.